So what she did is she took Nathaniel Hawthorne and took his kind of brooding nature and brooding mentality and the fact that he always had a real problem with um, his family's involvement with the Salem witch trials. So what you'll see in this legacy of the hanging judge is really kind of Nathaniel Hawthorne at his present at the time in the kind of mid-19th century. And then you'll move back through the 17th century in the birthplace through the different rooms and really learn a little bit of history about the Salem witch trials. You'll learn about um, Judge Hawthorne and his uh, role in the Salem witch trials. And you'll also just learn about the connections to kind of Nathaniel Hawthorne's life and really, in a way, how this inspired him to write so many different things about Salem and um, this real interesting literary history that we also have here at the site, too, which, you know, is the House of the Seven Gables being, you know, the iconic thing on the site, but also so many influences that Nathaniel Hawthorne had in the world around him that really influenced and inspired a lot of his writing as well. You come again. You unquiet spirits from Gallows Hill. Where guilt and frenzy consummated the most execrable scene our history blushes to record. Callow's Hill. This is the field where superstition won her darkest triumph. The high place where our fathers set up their shame to the mournful gaze of generations far remote. The dust of martyrs is beneath our feet. John Proctor, have I not written of shame and dark deeds enough? Rebecca Nurse, have I not cautioned the world to look first to their own sins before they go in search of the sins of others? Uh, pardon me, I, um, I... I seem to be unable to know where my nightmare begins or ends. Huh? Welcome to my home. I was born in this house in Salem. The city was my birthplace, but I would not let it be my grave. I struggled with a dark and horrible taint in my blood. Writing endless nights to atone for the sins of my forefathers. I've changed my name from theirs, and still am haunted by the dreadful deeds of hanging Judge Hathorne and his father William. Never been able to rest in this house. Or in the city of Salem. My first ancestor to these shores was William Hathorne, who came with a sword and a Bible to Massachusetts in 1630. He was a harsh magistrate who pursued the wicked like a bloodhound. He punished burglary not only by cutting off an ear, but by branding a bee into the forehead of those he had convicted. I can smell the seared flesh in my dreams, and hear the awful cries. He was never more cruel than when it came to the punishment of women. Anne Coleman's crime was being a Quaker. He had her stripped naked to a waist, tied to a cart, and dragged through Main Street with a constable to follow with a whip of knotted corks. She received ten lashes in Salem, ten in Boston, ten in Denham, and then was driven into the forest. Her blood is on my hands! I write with it night after night. Her sobbing screams are as real to me as I've the whip in my own hands. He enforced the Puritans' patriarchal laws with a sadistic seal at Twins' my stomach. And John Hathorne, William's son, is known to all as the Hanging Judge. 
My great-great-grandfather hanged nineteen innocent citizens as witches and crushed one honest man. He created an unquenchable hysteria with his adherence to spectral evidence as sufficient proof to hang a witch. This gave no possible defense to the accused, as the girls cried out their sick imaginings, when all others, including the girls, had confessed and regretted the evil they had done. My great-great-grandsire remained unrepentant of his responsibility for the infamous Salem witch trials. His legacy to me is the guilt of the cost. Hundreds of lives ruined. The horrors of those lost to hanging and torture, imprisonment, starvation, these souls, they come to me in the, in the dead of the night, and they bid me erect. I cannot leave this city, but I hate to stay. My guilt and shame are unbearable burdens. I attempt to expiate with words. Thousands of words, millions of words, and still the ghosts of the innocent, they... they cry out for justice, and I wait to write more words. Words to comfort them, or myself, I know not which. But the acts of the hanging judge and the legacy of his father are a millstone and a scourge. I pray that you will help me to rest. You'll give these unquiet spirits a fair hearing. And I promise. One that I attempt to make with every word I write. That they will not have died in vain. Only knowing you will stand against hatred and prejudice and such abuse of power can ease their torment. Help me, please. To help these spirits to their rest. Just through there. The devil has been raised amongst us, but here am I, Judge John Hathorne, to search him out, the devil and all his minions. I'm glad you have come to help me find your error and bring you to confess. What evil spirit have you familiarity with? Answer me. Have you made no contract with the devil? Your silence will not serve you. Who do you employ then to do it? What creature do you employ? Have you cat or dog? Who did you see with him? Did you write in his book? Come, come, do not waste my time. Sin and the devil will have you by the throat in your bed this night if you do not confess yourself and name those you have seen in league with him. You cannot remain silent and expect to see heaven or live a long life here in Salem. In Salem, we reject the devil and all his works. My father, William, taught me well to see those who are evil, who do not live according to God's law as known to us of the true faith. Only in the Puritan values do we see the true way God has intended us to live. There must be complete adherence to the true way of God. You have seen the spectral evidence in court as clearly as I have. You see how these witches in this town are torturing our poor girls. These children are under an evil hand that throws them into fits. It bites, pinches, and scratches them. The ones of dark power make them cry out horrible words and do such uncontrolled violence as I have never before seen. The visions they send upon them in court be truly terrible. It is well known that the best witness against a witch is her victim, as witchcraft is an invisible crime, except to its victim. We have had incontrovertible spectral evidence in this court. No one can question that these innocent girls are bewitched. 
The devil is abroad in Salem, I tell you. I know the signs of the devil. He cannot fool me. The practice of Malfeasium will end in Salem when we have found out the devil's spawn. You have all seen the fruits of a witch's talents and practices. Milk turned sour, the beer barrel full and then gone empty. A baby sicken and die. A chicken that will no longer lay. A healthy woman who will not conceive. A sudden storm that destroys your crops. A fire that consumes your barn. A fatal illness mysteriously cured. Or a healthy person stricken down. All this and more had the evil ones done in Salem. Stand with me against the evil that comes in the night. A witch is cleverly coached by the devil. You may hear her laughing, smiling in meetings, dancing or merrymaking, fashioning dolls, questioning the wisdom of her husband, or God's chosen ministers, or the dignitaries of this court. Hear you any whisper, you must come to us to prevent the rot from spreading to your own crops, livestock, children, to your very souls. Perhaps your soul is already one that you do not confess and name your neighbors and accomplices? The girls have seen these marks on you, know your foul deeds done in the dark and the secrets that you hide. You will be rooted out and the devil with you. I will imprison you, starve you, beat you, tar and feather you, brand you, hang you, to have the devil out of you and the good people of Salem. We shall be pure. Pure when I have judged all of the wicked and punished them unto repentance. Confess now. Confess you saw the devil. You wrote in his book. Confess who you did see with him. Confess yourself. Save yourself. Confess to me and live. Confess or be damned. I confess that I was accused of witchcraft. Being much disturbed by it, we went to Salem Village to see if the afflicted did know me. We arrived there the 24th of May. Mr. Hathorne and Mr. Kerwin were in the meeting house, which was the place appointed for examination. We sat that day long in the court and watched the most strange goings-on, girls shouting so that neither judge nor accused could be heard to answer. They spoke most impudently to everyone. They sauntered about creating disturbances. If, if any restraint were tried upon them, they fell down in fits. I felt sure we'd walked into a madhouse. After a day of witnessing these strange proceedings, my husband approached Reverend Hale, an officer of the court. Nathaniel requested that we might meet the girl who had accused me. We retired to the Ingersoll's Inn for a cup of cider. All of a sudden, the, the, the doors burst open and a pack of screaming girls enter crying that I was witching them. They, they smashed dishes and tables in a frenzy. There was a warrant for my arrest. And we were led away to a back room where the judges were all waiting. Being brought before the justices, my chief accusers were two girls. I declared I never had any knowledge of them before that day. I was forced to hand stand with my arms stretched out. Nathaniel did request that he might hold one of my hands, but it was denied me. 
Then I desired him to wipe the tears from my eyes and the sweat from my face, asking that I might lean on him, saying I should faint. Judge Hathorne replied, she had strength enough to torment those persons, and she should have strength enough to stand. Nathaniel, being extremely troubled at their inhumane dealings, uttered a hasty speech that God would take vengeance on them, and he desired that God would deliver us out of the hands of unmerciful men. Oh, then my condemnation was writ. I was committed to prison. Having been there one night, the next morning the jailer put irons on my legs. These irons and other afflictions of the prison soon brought me into convulsion fits so that I thought I might die. Nathaniel sent to entreat that the irons might be removed, but all entreaties were in vain, even if it would have saved my life. In this condition, I was forced to spend endless days and nights. Nathaniel went thither to the trials to see how things were managed, and finding that spectral evidence was received there as truth, together with idle, if not malicious, stories against people's lives, he did easily perceive which way all the rest of the trials would go. He acquainted me with my danger, and that if I were carried off to Salem to be tried, he feared I might never return. He did his best to free me by legal means, but when we realized that escape was the only way to save my life, he found a way to break me free. I ran first to Rhode Island, but found there no protection from the evil minds. New York welcomed me, as it had others fleeing before them, as the Dutch do not believe in witchcraft. My husband wrote, I must speak of the usage of these prisoners and of the inhumanity shown to them at the time of their execution. No sober Christian could bear it. There were trials of cruel mocking, and, and given what a people for religion, I mean the profession of it, we have been, is most horrible. Those that suffered were church members, and most of them unspotted in their lives, until their adversary, the devil, took up this method for accusing them. in Salem Village in my dreams. I recall the little ones laughing and playing there. Helps me through the freezing nights and the hungry days of remembering the times when God was good to me. My husband, behind for a witch. When my son was accused, and believing that witchcraft was contagious, he ran away. Where he is now, I do not know. It was hard on me taking care of the little ones, and I thought things could get no worse. But I was wrong. They cried me a witch. Said I was pinching and scratching them as the devil bit me. But there was no devil, just a girl shrieking. 
friend that tried to buy our farm at too cheap a price, knowing that we had no money. But with my husband and me being witches and such, we lost our right to our property. <coughs> there are many of us in this jail, the exact number I do not know, maybe some two to three hundred people have been accused and thrown in the pot. We have lost everything. Of course, there were some of us who had nothing to begin with, but some high and mighty folks were brought low and thrown in jail. Elizabeth Carey be one such lady. But she escaped one night. So many good people were hanged. Bridget Bishop, Elizabeth Howe, John Willard, Mary Parker, Anne Pudetur, John Wood, so many, so many others. It's hard to know the exact amount. Because there were the good people who thought they were going to get a fair hearing. Old Giles Corey. He said his mad wife Martha and the cow, the cow were acting strange, so maybe she was a witch. And Martha laughed so hard during half of her hearing, uh, that was proof enough for the hanging judge. So many good people have died. Young John Proctor would not give the lie to save his life. The strangest of all was a godly man, the Reverend Burroughs. He had made many memory, many enemies, and they had long memories and a taste for blood. But the taste for blood and the hangings soon were over. Yet with the girls going too high this time, crying out, the Governor William Phipps' wife and the Reverend Hale's wife. And in January of this year, 1693, a new court was formed, releasing the prisoners because the spectral evidence that had condemned them was no longer to be allowed. Of course, some of us will never leave this jail. Like myself, we do not have the fees to pay for the court, for the jail, for the board. So we be here forever till we die. I have one last request. That you stand against the hysteria of fear and look into your own soul for the truth before you go slandering your neighbor. Oh, I warn you, you may find yourself beside me in this cell. I see it hovering reaching out. Do you see it, Mary? 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 Mary! Abby! Abby, I cannot wake her! What? She cannot wake her! 
holds her eyes. Let go, you devil. She sends out her evil spirit even now to pluck her eyes. The devil's light is in their eyes. Their eyes go red. They burn. They burn. Oh, you don't see my eyes have gone black. Oh, my eyes. Why must you torment me with an agony? Give her back her eyes, you demon. Give her light. She's sending out her darkness again. Look away. Look away or she will take your eyes too. I will not look at her. I will not look at her. God, for that sad and humbling providence that befell my father's family in the year about 92, that I, being then in my childhood, should, by such a providence of God, be made an instrument for the accusing of several persons of a grievous crime, whereby their lives were taken away from them, whom I now have just grounds and good reason to believe they were innocent persons in that it was a great delusion of Satan that deceived me in that sad time, whereby I justly fear that I, with others, though ignorantly and unwittingly, I have been made instrumental to bring upon myself and this land the guilt of innocent blood. Though what was said or done by me, I can justly and uprightly say before God and man, I did it not out of anger, any malice or ill will to any person, for I had no such thing as one of them. But what I did was ignorantly being deluded by Satan, and particularly as I was a chief instrument in the accusing of Goodwife Merce and her two sisters. I desire to lie in the dust and be humbled for it, and to earnestly beg forgiveness of God and from all those unto whom I have given just cause of sorrow and defense whose relations were taken away or accused. On this 15th day of January, 1697, 
I, Samuel Sumu, judge for the court of Salem, with the regard to the matter of the matter of the witchcraft trials of 1692, do make my confession to the people of this congregation. I, Samuel Sewell, sensible of the reiterated stroke of God upon myself and my family, do confess to the guilt that I have contracted for the decision to hang my neighbors for witches. I, I do by many accounts, I am by many accounts more responsible than any other, and because of this affliction of guilt, I desire the blame and the shame upon me for what I did. I ask the pardon of men, and I especially desire your prayers that God, who has unlimited authority, would pardon my sin. The decisions I have made and the results of those decisions weigh on my conscience. I ask that God, according to his infinitely benign nature and sovereign power over all things, not visit my sins upon myself or any of mine, or not cause a plight upon the land, but that God would powerfully defend me against all temptations to sin in the future and vouchsafe me the saving contact, conduct of my word and spirit. I do solemnly swear to day of, uh, a day of penance for every year for the rest of my life. I pray that the generations to follow will observe such a day also, that the spirits of the slain innocent shall be at rest, and that with this day of remembrance, there never again will be such a crime perpetrated upon you.